Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. That's right. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador Raider Nation Radio. 9.20 a.m. on a Thursday. And there's breaking news, Damon Cotton. Well, within the last 20 minutes or so, I guess. The Raiders make another move. I knew it. It just seems like every time I'm over there in the bullpen getting ready to come in, boom, the Raiders have announced that they have signed such and such a player. I thought it might have been uh, Trevor Simeon, who uh, the veteran quarterback who was in for a visit today at Henderson, in Henderson. I thought maybe uh, they had come to terms, and that's what they were announcing. But no, 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 no. The Raiders have uh, added a new safety, and he's a veteran, and he knows the system. He's played... For the new, he was drafted by the New England Patriots, played um, alongside or under Patrick Graham, uh, who was the uh, defensive assistant in the, with the Patriots, when safety Deron Harmon uh, was with the Patriots, has gone on to play for the um, Detroit Lions last year, I think, the, or excuse me, the Falcons last year and the Detroit Lions the year before. So another veteran defensive player added to the mix, Deron Harmon, Dave, or uh, uh, Damon, I like this signing. I think this is a good, solid signing right here at a position that was a little bit thin, number one. And number two, you know, we keep talking about some of these veteran players. It's kind of like what happened last year with Gus Bradley. What did he do? He went out and brought a bunch of guys in that was that were familiar with his system. Veterans. Veteran players that understood it, knew it, had played it. Um, could teach it, could help, you know, uh, pass it along to to uh, to their to their teammates, and it worked out. And so we're kind of seeing the same thing now. Oh yeah, we are. Because Fargo Raider, he was give, giving me a little hard time there. He said Demond heard adult in the room and ran with it. But it is one of those things where it is true. Where you want to have veterans. This guy's a three-time Super Bowl champ. Where those those are the difference. That's the difference when you bring in those players. That if you bring in, let's say, a good stats, bad team guy, someone, oh, he had six interceptions, but let's say if he played for the Lions or the Jags, if you don't know about a winning culture, it's going to be hard to just adapt, hey, a winner's philosophy. Not only the, and that exactly, uh, but also the system. You know, yes. know, knowing the system, because you have to understand, um, uh, you know, there, there comes a time where you're on the field. The coach is over there or up in the booth or wherever. He's not there on the field like at practice to kind of walk you through things or in the classroom to show it to you. It's go time. And when you have somebody that's right alongside you, whether it's in the huddle or running back you know, to your spot with you, that's able to kind of coach you up a little bit, it's worth its weight in gold, especially somebody like this who's, like you said, a winner. On top of everything else, he brings a winning edge to him. Yeah, it's a, a coach on the field. You right. just said they, the, the, every coach, Patrick Graham, he might not be able to teach you exactly where you want you, put you in that exact position that you need to be. But now you got Harmon back there. This is probably going to the biggest help that this might be to is Jonathan Abram. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously Trevon uh, Morg uh, going into his second year. But there's no doubt um, that he can help Jonathan. And we'll see how it all gets. You know, we, we've talked about so many times, uh, Damon the way these coaches have um you know been been taught the kind of the systems that they've been groomed under one of the staples of it is finding players and uh you know figuring out guys that can help whatever that role might be and getting them on the field to um exploit that skill set and take advantage of that uh of, of what they bring to the table they don't they might not play a whole lot they may only play situationally but when you 
cover all your bases the way the Raiders are trying to cover them right now, it's only going to help. I want your calls, 702. We want want your calls, 702-365-9200. We're talking today about, obviously, uh, the new safety that the Raiders just brought in, uh, the free agent visit from uh, Trevor uh, Simeon, who I think – if they if it, if it happens would be a a nice piece to have for the Raiders to back up Derek Carr. This is a guy that has 29 career starts under his belt. He is 13 and 16 uh, over those 29 starts. However, he was 13 and 11 with the Denver Broncos when you know there were a couple of years there where he got a whole bunch of starts uh, and was pretty good. Was above the, the head was above water. And Demon, when you're talking about a backup quarterback, rule of thumb is if you got to play four games. Can you help us win two of them? You know, keep us at 50, uh, you know, 500 or better. And to me, a guy like Trevor Simeon, I know that the last couple of years in some bad situations, especially I think he was in that Saints game last year or a couple of games where they were decimated by injuries and COVID-19. Yeah, he started four games for the Saints last year and he lost them all. Right. So and I don't like, so that example that you gave, hey, if you got to start four games for us, can you win two you, of them? If you look at when he was, but I don't, I, I kind of think that that last, uh, the Saints were like, remember they went through a whole phase where they were playing with backups and backups. They were in a, they were kind of in COVID hell, and I think he got caught in that uh, a little bit. It's probably why he was the starting quarterback uh, in that situation. But if you go back a couple of years when he was, you know, in, in Denver, thirteen and eleven, um, so that was a a pretty good situation and somebody that it's not quite five hundred, but it's pretty close. And I like the fact that he's got uh, 29 career starts uh, under his belt. So give us a call, 702-365-9200. We're going to uh, talk to former NFL player Rich Ornberger. He's coming up at 530. Uh, we've also got Greg Bedard from the Boston Sports Journal. He's going to shed some light on all these Patriots that are coming over here to play for the Raiders. And what's going on with Stephon Gilmore? Come on, Cotton. Devon, you know, Stefan's still out there, and as long as he's out there, he remains a possibility for the Raiders, who are obviously um, bringing in veteran players that know the system. He knows the system uh, better than most, and he's still available, so we'll see if there's still any kind of possibility that Gilmore could be uh, here with the Raiders. Um, go ahead. Oh, the Raiders, they've just made another signing. They've signed linebacker Jayon Brown from the Titans. And he's also, uh, yeah. a Cal- you might know a little bit about him, went to UCLA, yes. Long Beach um, Polytech, is that that high school? Long Beach Poly, don't, don't, we don't add the tech. Okay, but, but Long, he went to that high school, I know great, they produce a, fire. a lot of NFL yes. players. So yep. they are beefing up that linebacker core, I know we see so many times people say, hey, they need to do something that linebacker, bringing in another linebacker. Along with Micah Kaiser, yep. uh, along with uh, Fackrell, who they he's more of an outside guy. I think Brown is more of an inside guy. Yeah, he's an inside linebacker. Right. So uh, so they're they're revamping it, and they're retooling it, and they're putting it all together. And we're seeing that in, in real time. Uh, and we're going to get to all that. I still want to know who the Raiders are going to line up at right tackle uh, next year. Uh, that remains conspicuously... I think uneasy right now. Is that a good word to use, Devon? Uneasy right now at right tackle, would you say? Oh, yeah, that's definitely the word. Uneasy, because uncertain. no one, <laughs> the uncertainty is there because nobody wants to see Brandon Parker. No offense to him. I think that that swing tackle position that everyone says, they just want to see him at that. Jermaine Illuminor, people are still unsettled. Didn't get to see enough of him last season. The sample size isn't big enough with him in a Raiders jersey. Especially, and I'll give this to Jermaine, um, 
you know, uh, being able to be in the system from April on. You know what I'm saying? The guy got thrown into the fire. Number one, he got thrown into the fire in Tom Cable's, you know, uh, offensive line and John Gruden's offensive system like the week before the season opener. Literally, that's what that's how that kind of all went down. Maybe kind of circling back now to the offense that Josh McDaniels is bringing and the familiarity that he has uh, with the system, maybe, and and the fact that obviously he's going to have an entire offseason and a training camp uh, to, to to really get everything under his belt and get settled down. Maybe, maybe we'll see a different Jermaine Illuminar uh, as well. However, I still think that the Raiders need to uh, keep tinkering, keep working it uh, with that offensive line, specifically at right tackle. Plenty of time, obviously, uh, to get that done. But we're also talking, Damon Cotton, about overtime. Where are you on overtime, where it currently stands? I'm fine with it. Really? Yes. I'm not. If you want to win the game, there are four quarters in the game. I know, but sometimes you have to go to a fifth quarter, and you want to, I think anyway, you should want to make it as equitable and fair as possible in every sport, every single sport. Baseball, everybody gets in that bat. The home team, the visiting team, everyone gets in that bat. Basketball, we know, you know, nobody's just going to hold on to the ball for, what is it, a five-minute period? Yeah, five minutes. You would get... You can't do that. It's not even allowed. So everybody gets their fair chance. What other sport? Hockey gets, you know, it's kind of similar to. Uh, to which to, shoot, they have an overtime period. Everybody, who? Hockey does. And which means. That, and, no, they, they play another, they play exactly. like, let's say, a five minute period. Like, so it's kind of like ba- a basketball. Yes, in that and regard. then it can go to shootouts if, right. if that is. If it gets to that Doesn't point. determine a winner there. Right. Um, and soccer does the same thing. They have an extra time and all that kind of stuff before it goes to what. Well, they just, they live with ties uh, anyway. So yes. they're good. Um, which I'm not opposed to living with ties either. But if we're going to have an overtime, to me, it should be equitable. It should be fair. Every Each team, to me, should get a um, at least one possession uh, out of overtime. Now, I'm going to r- run some numbers by you. Uh, check this out. Since the current requirement for an opening possession touchdown was instituted for the 2012 regular season, teams winning the coin toss... In the regular season, have won 50% of the time, according to league data. That number has ticked up a bit to 54% since the league shortened overtime from a maximum of 15 minutes to 10 in 2017. People forget that they did that. It's now a 10-minute extra quarter, Devon, not 15 minutes. That was done in 2017. However, where it really gets weird is in the, the playoffs. All of a sudden in the playoffs, when it gets to the playoffs, what was 50% or 54% since 2017 jumps dramatically since the current format was implemented. Seven of the 12 overtime postseason games have been won on the opening possession, and 10 of those 12 were won by the team that won the coin toss. I would imagine that the in the situations where that didn't wasn't the case, it was a defensive touchdown. Uh, that that won the game for somebody. So if, basically, if you get the ball first in overtime, you're winning the overwhelming amount of time. And I think that's what frustrates everybody. Is defense not a part of the game? It, it is, but so is offense. And 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 defense is the part of a game in baseball, football, or basketball, soccer, hockey, everything. Every each team gets a chance to play one side of the ball. And I think that in football. That's deserved as well. Just and it's and it and it wouldn't really take that much, you know. Uh, it, it's it's not like it's. 
I, I just don't understand like what any kind of resistance is. Just because we've been doing it that way doesn't mean it's the right way. I think that uh, the more the fairer, my wife would get mad at me if I said more fairer. That's not a, the, the, the correct way to say it. The fairer way to do it is, I think, to have allow both teams um, to have possession of the ball. Now, why are we bringing this up right now, Damon Cotton? Well, next week, the owners' meetings in West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, are going down. And they are going to consider two proposals to address what we're, exactly what we're talking about. Um, one is both teams get possession. Guarantee that each team gets a possession in overtime, no matter what happened on the opening possession. If one team has a point advantage after the first two possessions, that team wins. If the score remains tied, play would continue for up to 10 minutes uh, with the next score winning or it just ends in overtime. But the point is whether you uh, you, you get everybody gets at least one possession. And and then let the, and if somebody scores a touchdown the on the, their opening possession the other team gets a chance to match that touchdown or field goal or whatever the case is so I like that I think that should win that's the one that I'm voting for however there's another one it's kind of intriguing and it brings some um, you know uh, strategy into it okay I'm gonna throw this one at you Devon Cotton this is from the Tennessee Titans. And it's a mandatory possession, which means both teams will get possession of the ball unless, Devon Cotton, the team that wins the toss and gets the ball first in overtime scores a touchdown and then completes a two-point conversion. And if, I know that one's being, that's being thrown out there by the Titans. Yes. Love the Titans, but that is a, um, that's a risky move. It's a risky move for the team that goes for the two. You either win it or you give the other team the opportunity to go score a touchdown and win it on a on a touchdown and a extra point. Yeah, so that's why it, the, that's, that's that's the strategy. No teams would definitely not go for that one. Nobody's voting I yes for know. that one. Oh, 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 okay. Before let's back up. Let's back up. Like if if it's on the if it's on let's the table, say, if it's like if they're like hey yay or nay, let's say a show of hands. Got what you're saying. Got what you're you saying. know, if it's just hey well, show of hands, passes. who's voting for that one? Nobody. Let's say it does pass. What are you doing? I mean, are you are you gonna are you gonna go for the two after they score that first touchdown and just take your chance right there and then hope that you can defend them from scoring a touchdown? Because if you do that, then you win on the other side of it. Or you could just end it right now by uh, uh, you know com- completing a two point conversion. What I, do you? I'd go for. I'd have to. I'm going for it. I don't then, think teams. The only maybe the Titans since they're proposing it and the Ravens. Those are the only two teams that I think that that would be giddy. About hey, we can win it on a two-point conversion. Well, here's my question: Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you go for the the two? fear of if you if you only leave with six, they come down, score a touchdown, kick the extra point, they win. But if you have confidence in your defense, there's all that's too much of a fear factor of hey, if something does go wrong, the first team if that does pass, the first team that loses a game, you're gonna hear some grumblings of that's the stupidest thing that the NFL has ever. It would be like being able to challenge offensive pass interference. When the league had that for one season. Right. Hey, you can challenge and see if it was offensive pass interference. They got rid of it after one season. If this was enacted, I see a one-season run minimum because the outrage would be. What's the outrage? What would the outrage be? People saying no fair. We liked the old way better. 
Uh, um, because they win after scoring the two-point conversion? No, because they lose after the two-point conversion. I think people would be okay with that. You don't score on the the first team who's like, we're going to go for two. They go down, they kick the extra point, you're like, we lost by one point. I think it would be more the other way. I think that more people would be saying, the two-point conversion is great, and it's fun, and it's exciting, and there's strategy, but in that scenario, it doesn't address exactly what we're trying to address here, which is, each team should have a chance to get the ball uh, in overtime. So um, I think I think it would be more like if the Super Bowl was won on a touchdown and a two-point conversion and the other team just never got the ball, I think the outrage would be, what, we're still doing this? The other team doesn't get a chance to uh, to get the football in overtime? Why are we doing this? So I think the I think uh, proposal one has the better chance, but we'll see. We'll see next week when they talk about it and vote on it. Raider uh, Fish in uh, – let's try that again, Damon. Raider Fish in Berkeley. How you doing, my man? It's all right, Vinny. Me and DeMond, how are you guys today? We're doing great, brother. Hey, so here's my suggestion for overtime to simplify, yet make it complex. So here we go. Regular season, keep it the way it is. And then we're going to borrow from the world of uh, soccer. But when it gets to postseason, okay, they, they change the format. They don't settle for ties. So here's what I suggest. We're going to go a 15-minute quarter. That way we get to see it all. We get to see strategy, you know, because now you got to bring coaching back into it. How do you use your timeouts? What do you do? So me personally, I would like to see uh, for postseason a full quarter. Just bring it back to a full quarter and everything that could happen in a full quarter. No so more no sudden death. Possession. You're saying yeah, no, yeah. no sudden death. No, no, not Regardless, at all. Regardless, no matter what happens, teams are scoring back and forth. You play those 15 minutes, and after those 15 minutes, who has the lead at that point? That's the winner. Yes, and if there's a tie, guess what? We go to a six no. quarter, baby. No, 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 no. You can't, here's, here's, uh, I'll tell you why that won't happen, uh, okay. at least the sixth quarter part of it. Um, okay. Is because the players' union at some point is going to say, "What the hell are you doing? You're just you keep <laughs> putting it. us in you know positions to get hurt." You th- that part of it is definitely um, in the equation. You have to look out for you know the Ooh, health true. of the players, right? So so no sixth quarter. Uh, I think after 15 minutes, no doubt. Uh, you just if it's a tie, it's a tie. So uh, obviously, unless it's the uh, postseason. Well, so that's what I mean. So postseason. How about this then? So post, I would like to see an additional quarter in the postseason because then you get to see everything. Because some of the drama, you know, during during a regular uh, four quarters, toward, you know, the fourth quarter of a game is when the coaches and their decision making comes into play. A la Chargers Raiders. Time out or no? Remember how exciting that was. So we want to see, I think, a full quarter, maybe a shortened quarter, and then maybe if at the end of the fifth quarter we go, we borrow from soccer, and then we go field goals. You know, from a first 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 team to miss loses uh, from forty yards out. I don't know, but I would like to see uh, a whole quarter, whether it's five minutes, ten minutes. But no sudden death. I hear you on all that. Um, here's here's the the one pushback that I would give is if you're going to do that, do that for every game because because here's what I envision. As you were talking about it, I was like, okay, that sounds good. You know, what are the what are the repercussions? What are the what's the what's the uh, d- down period or or something that makes that not so good? 
Think about it along this uh, in this way, Fish. What if it was the last game of the season and your playoff fate deter- was was decided in overtime? Don't, yeah. You know, and and the other team scored first, and you didn't get a I chance. Agree. To, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. And so yeah. I think in the I think in the regular season um, there will be a time where that overtime could determine everything, like that your 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 goals, your objectives, getting into the postseason or not. I just think that to make it more equitable uh, and fair, I think I think in whatever regular season, postseason, both teams definitely get a chance to uh, to get to get the ball. Demond, what do you think about the 15 minutes though in postseason? Just play 15 a 15 minute quarter. I don't think that the players want to go out and play a whole another quarter. But in if, the that's, playoffs, if that's what it's got to be, sure. But I feel like it's always hey, the game doesn't matter on one play. One play didn't determine this game. A bad call. Hey, we can't blame the officials. But then when it comes to overtime, we've got to live in this perfectly fair system and world where everything else, if it's not fair, mistakes happen. Who cares? You just got to power through. But overtime, it turns into the well, that's not fair but here's the thing and 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 i i hear where you're saying and and it is a valid argument Naman. but by the same token so many of us are left with this question and i'm sure you asked this question why are we doing it like this like there's no valid reason to do it the way they do do it like if there was some compelling reason where well x y and z you got to consider that you know that's the reason why they do it and you're like oh that makes sense it doesn't make sense to me, like, why they do it where only one team gets the possession. Well, there are so many other things that Such that's as, just, why is there a salary cap? Well, <laughs> that's another, that's a, the, hey. The salary cap is, the, the salary cap is in place. I'll tell you why the salary cap is in place. Because it sounds to me, well, just here's my example, just sounds like, well, that's just the way we do it. No, there are other it's things actually that, not. It's actually not. There's a reason for it. When the players union and the owners get together to decide who gets what of the big pie, the players get 50%. Let's just say it's 50%, it's 49% or somewhere around there, all right? And the owners get the rest of it, you know, the 51% or 50.5% or whatever it is. Of that 49%, the players, that's their salary, and it, and it gets divided by 32 teams, and that's how the salary cap is set. Otherwise, there's no other... Um, you know, you, you just it's, it's it would be hard to do in the NFL without some sort of mechanism like that. And the the NFL is also and and this this is a is a good reason why it it creates parity. There's a there's a you know it's now it becomes down to strategy and who drafts the best and who who um who manages the salary cap the best. So there's you, you have the good organizations are able to overcome all of it that makes that tries to make this thing um you know uh, equal for everybody. The good teams figure out a way to always have that edge. So they don't it's not just because. I mean there's also you got to think about it. There's there's you know, it, it it really does protect the owners against themselves from each other. That's what it does. So when you talk about 32 owners, they don't want that one owner. I, you're laughing, but, what, you know, think about it. If you're an owner and there's one, there's a guy that's a, a cabillionaire and is going to buy everybody, you're not going to like that. There, there's going to be 31 other owners that say, no, I got to look out for my interest and everybody else's interest. So it's not, it doesn't not make sense, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you raised some but good But you points. talked about the game. You, we were talking about the game. No, but I'm just, these are things that the owners meetings like, why is this? Just because. Why'd they take away that offensive? Hey, you can challenge on that. Let's just go back to the way it was. It was causing too much of a headache. There are some things just, hey, that's just the way. Why can't you challenge that? 
And, and that's just and, the way we do it. And you also have to understand the, the mechanisms of how all that works. It gets to the owners at the last they're the last line of defense. Exactly. So it's the competition committee. It's the coach. You know, they talk about it. They hammer it out. Teams have the right to propose something. And then, you know, if it passes a certain committee, it gets into. So, you know, it's not just the owner saying we should do this. Basically, it's like the coaches tell the owners and the competition committee, you know, this is kind of what we recommend. You guys take a look at it. So uh, it's, it's not just haphazard, I guess. And I just say, at an extra quarter, if you get up by two possessions, then the game's over. <laughs> but if not, just play sounds the whole like, quarter. Sounds like YMCA football. You have to leave you a little bit more, uh, um, you know, have a little bit more structure, I think. I think just each team gets no, if you get, it. If you each get up by yeah, each team gets one it. time. And then, and, then, and then after that, it's... Sudden death. That's nah, it. Nah, just play the whole Because then you'd have someone, but, well, they scored, but we would have scored. I don't think anyone would scored. at that point. I don't think anyone would say that at that point. Because everyone gets a chance for the ball. I, I think, anyway. And plus, again, injury Then you'd factor. hear the, it's not fair that we didn't get the ball twice. No, no. Then then you just say, you laugh at that person and say, well, whatever. You're in the huddle with Eddie Bonsigiar and Demond Cotton. Brought to you by Tequila and Bajada Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Thursday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. I wish sometimes you guys could hear the breaks, like what we get into here, because it went from, and Damon. Uh, back me up on this. It went from overtime rules in the NFL, right, to the shift rule in baseball, the hand check rule in basketball, um, and then and then we're talking. We're, you know, we're just talking about how they're they're, they're banning the shift in baseball, basically. And uh, Devon's like, well, you know, just hit it into the hole is basically what you're saying, right? And it's hard. It's you would think that that would be easy to do, but I've talked to so many hitters that are like. It ain't that easy to do, you know? So um, I like the ban on the shift because it, the game just started getting really boring to me. And, yes, I know it's a great strategy if 54% of the time batter A hits it right here. <laughs> if you look at the spray chart, this is where he's going to hit it. Let's put a guy right there. But I just think that it it, it, it it lessens the excitement of the game. And really, when you think about it, this is still entertainment. You want to put the best sort of product out there and the most compelling product out there, Devon. And so sometimes you have to make adjustments. We talk about the hand check. We talk about the bump and run, right? Remember, cornerbacks used to be able to mug wide receivers off the line of scrimmage. That was a great strategy. It made all kinds of sense. But the game suffered because of it, Devon. No, it's just one of those things where I was trying to look at some stats to back me up on this because there are people, there are players that are able to maximize on that skill. We talked about bunting in the shift, yeah. but there are players who are, hey, I'm a great buncher. You have players that they'd probably be licking their chops and just like, let you the, would think, but, let they don't. The, but I'm just saying, there, yeah. there were those players. Like you say, the hand check. You still had guys that played in that era that said, hey, I'm going to still get 30. Iverson, still playing the hand check era. Right. He still did. led the he league did. in scoring. Right. Jordan didn't hurt Jordan. You're not saying that you want the hand check back, are you? I mean, it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> I, you know what? Yeah, maybe, maybe a little. Like when college basketball, they, you know, took, it's, it's, when college basketball took do, away the five they, second defense. Oh my god, come on. They do, they do allow a little bit of it. Where it was getting egregious was if you, re, I don't know how 
when you came into the NFL or the NBA. But when the Knicks and Pat Riley, what they were doing, and then you know, kind of the the the, the Detroit Pistons were doing it a little bit as well. But but really, Pat Pat Riley and the Knicks were really just rough and tumble basketball. And what was so ironic about that was he was the head coach during Showtime, which was the greatest show on you know on 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 earth where it was passing it was beautiful it was 5 on 5 and it was fast break you know it was it was it was like a uh, uh a poetry emotion and then he goes to new york doesn't have magic johnson and those guys and has to like do reinvent himself what's that reinvent himself yeah and i and that's great coaching there's no doubt about it but it may but when you started seeing and then every it's a copycat sport every sport is when you started seeing scores were like 65 to 74 it's like <laughs> This is this is not fun. It, it it got out of balance, so they had to readjust, and I think that's what's going on uh, in baseball. But we're talking about football, the about NFL, football, and in the NFL, exactly. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty a.m. on a uh, Thursday. But we're talking about overtime rules, and we're talking about the potential of it changing and getting uh, a little bit more in line. I think with what most people want, because how many Playoff games now have been. Let's see. There was the New England Patriots beating the Kansas City Chiefs, right? And then uh, in overtime with Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, that was the year that the Patriots went and played the Rams uh, after the 2018 season. We had that. Um, and w- what other egregious playoff games? Seven of the ten that have that have uh, gone into overtime have been won by the team that got got the ball first. So uh, I think that just there's so many eyeballs you know, watching the postseason that that's going to raise attention and teams are, and people are like, is it really that fair to have just one team get a chance to score, especially when there's both sides of the ball, let their defense just by a coin toss. That's the other part of it. Devon, it's determined by a coin toss, <laughs> you know, like it's 50, 50 at that point. So you're going to say something. Oh no, I'm trying to find the, each result that we can go back I, to from 2012. The first one, Broncos Steelers. We remember that one. Tim Tebow hits Demarius Thomas all the way to the end zone. And that is why I keep saying, I know we keep saying fairness and for the sake of argument, yeah, make it just make it a whole nother quarter so everyone can be happy. That's what I'd say. Just make it make it a 15 minute, 12 minute quarter. I do not care. Here's just why so everyone can I just say one thing. Oh, so then like, oh, what if it just keeps going? No, well, like you don't want you don't want a playoff the, games to end in a tie. The only no, 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 I don't mind it, actually. If if you if both teams get the ball and it still ends up and nobody scores, let's say. And it still still ends up as a um, you know after ten minutes it's still tied you know let's say it went into overtime seventeen seventeen all right and let's say it ends up being twenty four twenty four you know what I'm saying and nobody scores after that again it's a tie that's, kickoff okay that's it it's a tie um, I don't mind that I don't except for in the postseason it, but after that it just becomes who scores next in the postseason in the regular season you can, I don't mind a tie all right. Um, here's why I don't like the 15 minute thing though, in the, especially in the postseason, is because if you don't have that mechanism of sudden death at some point after both teams get the ball, you run the risk of a team kicking a field goal at the last second in overtime to tie it again. And then we go to another one and I'm looking out for the players in this regard. I don't want another, if we could avoid going into another overtime, I would rather do that as long as both teams get the ball and then after that, whoever scores next wins. You know, that's because I'm looking out for the health of the players. Otherwise, you're asking. Hey, when looking out for the health of the players also, hey, whoever scores first, 
that, that I know, but, but play, hey, if we're looking out for players, I understand that. Then but, that would just say, you hey, to, you just got to accept your fate that you guys couldn't play or defense. You create a best of both worlds, something that that does its best to protect the players, but then also gives each team, you know, there's there's uh, equity in terms of each team gets at least one chance offensively. Uh, to 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 score a, uh, a, a you know whether it's a field goal needed or here's another uh, question you can also here's another thing that no one suggested you don't have to give them the ball back what are you talking about you can lose the, the you can lose the coin toss it's up to you to give them the ball you could go for an onside kick is that not a part of the game? Not, not Is that really also anymore. not strategy in the game? Not anymore. Not really, no. I mean, it's because of the way they align the players now. Back in the day, yeah, I would say seven years ago, I wouldn't have minded that. It's a high-risk type of a thing. But now the way it's— So no one goes for onside kicks anymore? I mean, they do, but it's— Yes. I'm just saying there's still, like— there are counterpoints to this where you can't just say, "Hey, we lost the coin toss. Let's pack up now. Warm up the buses." In my in 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 the in the in the proposal that I like, where both teams at least get one possession, there's a, there will be, that gives you the the uh, opportunity. If you know that you're going to get the ball, why not uh, defer to to be the second team so that you know what you need? Whether you need a field goal to win it or a touchdown to to tie it back up. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you heard me right there, Demond. Oh no, I was answering the phone. What'd okay, you say? so if if we go to the both teams are guaranteed at least one possession. All okay. Right? Now on the coin flip, if I win the coin toss, I might just defer it to give me a better idea of what I'm going to need to respond to. Maybe it's just a field goal. Like if if the other team doesn't score, then I could kick a fifty yard field goal to win it at that point. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like I'd rather have the opportunity to respond to whatever happened on the first possession. Does that make sense? No, that makes sense because that's involving some strategy. Yeah. But I'm not saying that maybe the overtime rules don't need to be changed, but I feel like it's a lot of sour grapes from where a lot of teams is just. That is obviously the motivation for this. Like Make a stop. Right. And 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 I get that. That's that's what you have to do now. But I think I think minds are coming together to say, but is that the best way to do it? Is there a better way to do it? And I'm always about if there's a better way, let's explore it. You know, let's not just because it's done a certain way. Let's not just, you know, uh, hold firm on that. If there's actually a better way to do it. Chris is on the line. How you doing, Chris? Hey, how's it going, guys? So I got this idea I thought about a while ago. And when you get into overtime, it'll start off, you know, with the, the coin toss. Of course, but each team gets one possession, and there will be no punting. If you get down the fourth down, you go for it, and you're either going to make a touchdown, and at which time they note how much time you took off the clock to make the touchdown. And then if the first team makes a touchdown, the second team has to make a touchdown, and they have to make the touchdown in less time. If the first team goes the fourth down and gets stopped, then it's, they take note of how far the team went, how many yards, the, the yardage, where they were stopped, and the amount of time, and the second team has to beat it. It's more almost like a skills competition. And then that's it. Whoever, whoever goes the furthest wins, and they get one point, and that's the, the single point is for betting purposes. <laughs> and oh, if, you had to uh, throw that one in there. Well, I mean, otherwise <laughs> there would be a – well, 
you know, originally I was talking to a friend about it, and that's what he brought up. He says, oh, well, what about in the casino? What about the, the line? Always got to think about that. You got to throw that one extra point in. But it's just an idea. It would, you know, it would only be one possession, so it's not going to be like a bunch of extra time on all the players, and it's just – who can do better in that one drive? Now here's here's what I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw a uh, a little apple at you here um, into your cart, uh, Chris. Um, the, the the distance is typically going to be about 75 yards because because I'm going to kick the ball out, out of bounds. Or, or, excuse me, I'm going to kick the ball out of the end zone and let you set up at the 25. I would think even if we get to this point. Um, they may even consider not even having kickoffs in the in overtime, where just both teams get the ball to start it at the twenty five yard line. Or I agree. Yeah, yeah. So then that would that would kind of you know um, uh, not negate necessarily, but then it would be just about how quickly you were able to score from the twenty five yard line. If you're able to do it in you know one minute or eight minutes or whatever the case might be. So, but I like your thinking. I, I want the creativity. Um, and because to me, there's a lot of good ideas out there. There's a lot of things that I think that, um, you know, the league isn't even really considering that if it was if it was uh, brought to their attention, they'd be like, oh, wow, that's not one that we've we, we've talked about. And so, um, I you know, more the more, the better. And right now we're at we're at these two uh, where, like I said, and these are going to be uh, considered next week at the owners meeting one would guarantee that both teams get at least one possession uh, of the ball. And then after that, you know, all bets are off. And then the other is each team does get possession at least once, except if the team that scores on the opening possession then goes and completes a two-point conversion. And if for DeMond, I'm going to bring this back to you again. If you, if you have the ball first, don't you always go for the two-point conversion? Just try to, you know, try to win it right there. Or let your defense stop the other team from scoring a touchdown. I think you got to put it in your defense's hand because I think that that we see so often that the two point conversion it doesn't work. How many times did we see in Ravens games where oh John Harbaugh he's trying to go for two? Just go to overtime. Why are you trying to go for two? Then you lose the game. So many fans, and then you would have. I'm not saying that no one's going. No one's probably not going to publicly you know bury their coach. But you probably are. There would be a defensive player that's like, why'd you go for two? Like, why'd you go for two right there? We could keep this thing going because now all they need is a touchdown and a field goal. Yes. I think that it sets up. I room. also think it's showing it's confidence set, in your it's defense. Showing, it's, showing, it's showing confidence. But it sets up more room for criticism that I don't think coaches want to have to deal with. So you, I, I think you'd be surprised. I think more coaches would go for it. And even though there might be some criticism. But then we're st- I feel like we're stuck back in the same boat. We would be. That would of be. The, we didn't get a chance to get the yes, ball. Because yes. let's say. It if doesn't you're the, solve that. Yes. It. Because if you're the best team offensively, but your defense stinks. Right. And then they go down there, you give up the touchdown and the two-point conversion, right. and you would say, hey, if we had the ball first, we would have done the exact same thing. Right. So it doesn't solve that argument, so I I really just don't like it. Yes, and I, I agree with you. I, it doesn't solve that argument, but I, I guess what I'm just saying is if it was that case, what would you do? Oh, no, I'm 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 not going for two, no. Oh. Like I said, I'm playing it safe. What, what do you think most teams would do? I think they're going to play it safe. Hmm. I wonder though, because you can win it right there. You can win it right because, there. Because listen, listen. But if you don't, I think that's going to be playing in the back of the head even more. If they go down there and score a touchdown, and then they just kick the extra point. Oh man! As opposed, yeah, they would win it as opposed to just tying it at that yes. point. Right. I, mm. Because that's where it's the dangerous game. 
where, hey, a uh, uh, flick. That's of, why it's such a great reward to just win the game right there. It's 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 you win it, or now you just have to go play D and make sure that they don't cross the goal line. All right, but Vinny, you got to go to that podium if you don't win it. Yeah, they went down and they scored a touchdown, and if you could have kept the game going, then you. But see, that's the other thing. So by this logic, if you kick that field goal and let's say they extra point, if you excuse me, if you if you kick that extra just point, yeah, 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 what you're saying. excuse me, yeah, if you go down and you kick that extra point, they go down, they score a touchdown, that extra point. By that logic, if you're confident enough in your offense, you go down there, even if you kick a field goal, you win the game. Yeah. I. So I, it's one of those things where you're risking it to get the biscuit, but if you just, hey, 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 if you have confidence in your defense, maybe your defense stops them, maybe they don't. What if your don't. defense has been just playing lights out? There has to be a time where you would do that. No. No? Because all you have I'm to do. I'm doing it, man. All I want to win do, the damn game right there. All you have to do is wait until the next possession. If they do score. And then you kick a field goal, you win. Yeah, or you throw an interception and uh, they kick a field goal and you win. You can win it right there. I, I just I think there's a lot of coaches that would try to seize that moment, especially if your defense is playing good. Like if it's been a 3-3 game, what are the chances that it's going to turn out to be like a barn burner in overtime? So if you got a chance to close it out right there or you just play it safe, you just play it safe like you, like you said. I don't know, man. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're talking about overtimes. We're talking about new additions uh, to the Raiders. We're going to have Greg Bedard for the Boston Sports Globe come on at 5 o'clock. He's going to break down some of these new players on the Raiders that played in New England, which he covers so well. And what is going on? DeMond Cotton with Stephon Gilmore. We're going to talk to Greg Bedard at 5 o'clock about that in the huddle, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Yeah, the Miami last night. Did they end up winning that game? No, they didn't, but they did make a comeback. After that? Was yes. It, was- because um, at the at the time, the Warriors were on a 16-0 run. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonson. You're brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM uh, on a Thursday. And if you didn't see it, uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, uh, Coach Spolster from the Miami Heat, uh, Udonis uh, Haslam from the Miami Heat, the whole Miami Heat. How about uh, the guy calling the timeout, the former uh, – did you see the um, the guard that the uh, the Heat got from the uh, – Oh, Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is like in the middle of it as, as everyone's walking to the court. He's like calling a timeout on his like, come on guys, let's let's call a timeout here. That whole thing was listen, sometimes in a huddle you're gonna get some shenanigans and some uh, biting back and forth. But that one went to a whole other level with Jimmy Butler and Spolstra and then Haslam kind of saying, I'll I'll kick your you know what, like right now. And he was not messing around. He was not messing around. I'll say this, Devon, if you ever listen to I, I grew up listening to Richard Pryor. All right. And he's like, you know, old men don't BS when they're fighting. You know, they're just they don't BS. <laughs> like in some he goes, some of the some of the young guys in my neighborhood would challenge the old guys. Like, come on, old dude, you can't do anything. And the old guy was like, I'll I'll, I'll take this bad leg off. <laughs> and, you know, and, and they don't care. They will beat your you know what. So when I was watching Haslam, who's what is he? Thirty. 
36, 37? No, no, no. Is he Udonis 40? Adlam is 41 years <laughs> okay, old. Okay, he's even that's he's old. been with my he's been with the yes. Miami Heat. I didn't want to. I didn't want to uh, disrespect him by going to the forties, but I kind of was in my head. Yes. I was like, I think he's a forty years he's old. He's been with the Miami Heat. That's the only team he's ever played yes. for. Born and raised in Miami. Right. He only went to the University of Florida, and if you ask him about it, he'll say it was a business decision. <laughs> there you go. Um, so guys like that, like, did you see Jimmy Butler wanted zero of that? He wanted, and Jimmy Butler is a man's man himself. Like, he's not going to back down from anybody. But I think he realized, like, obviously you don't want to fight with your teammate right there anyway. But it was him who was kind of, you know, walking. But also, I think where Spolstra is not getting, like, I'm not saying people aren't attacking Spolstra enough. But I think you have those coaches. Like, he's won a couple of championships. I think he's been a little smug. And and he's and Jimmy Butler's the rah-rah guy. And Spolstra is basically telling him. Hey, calm down, Jimmy. And Jimmy's not trying to calm down. I know. And, so and Spolster's think, like the coolest dude. In the, he's like the see, coolest See, that's what I'm cat. saying. He's getting the rap. Oh, he's the cool guy, cool as a cucumber. I, but, but I'm saying when you're a little smug with people, it rubs them the wrong <laughs> sometimes, way. Sometimes, sometimes though, look, there are certain dudes. Everybody can be a handful at some point or another. You know, it's, you're just having a bad day. You're having a bad minute. You're having a bad moment, whatever the case might be. But it ain't like, and I love Jimmy Butler. I truly do. But it's not like he doesn't have a reputation being a dude that's going to cause some disruption in your team at some point or another. And that certainly happened uh, last night. But did you see what Spolster said after the game? Yeah, we we're just arguing about where we we're going to be going to dinner. <laughs> we just couldn't figure out like, where's the, are, you know, are we going over here or in South Beach? Are we going to go to a little Havana for some Cuban food? Um, so, so you know, he kind of squashed it. And it it happens. There's no doubt that stuff like that uh, happens. By the way, another NBA question. Sorry, guys. But Hold on I, real quick. Also ahead. about for people who do not know about Udonis Haslam. Was a part was a starter when LeBron was in town. Was a starter on the championship Shaq. team when, when Shaq was yes. on the team. He has not played more than 20 games in a season out of an 82 game season since 2016. I'm going to So he is just he's a glorified assistant coach. And you know, uh Doc Rivers told me a great story about when he goes to coach, remember he went to coach the Boston Celtics, right? And he sits down with Red Auerbach. The legendary, yeah, legendary, legendary coach, Red Auerbach. Front office you know, man. and um and you know, for advice, like, you know, just to pick his brain. And so Red Auerbach said to him this, you have to obviously you have to have star players on your team. That's how you win. But you always, every great team needs an agitator on the team that isn't one of those star players. If you can call up the roster, uh, Demond, in 2000, I think it's the 2008 Boston Celtics. I'll tell you exactly who it ended up being. Um, the, the year that they won the championship with the big three. Hold on, already? Was it P.J. Brown? No, it was not P.J. Brown. But uh, uh, read off the players on the team, and I'll tell you uh, who it was. So... So he's like, you have to have an agitator on the team, all right? So Doc's like, okay, you know that, you know somebody that's not going to take any smack from anybody that's going to tell the star player what's up in any situation and not be afraid to do it. Go read the roster. All right, we've got Paul Pierce. No. Ray Allen. No. Kevin Garnett. No. Rajon Rondo. No. Kendrick Perkins. No. James. No. Eddie House. No. Tony Allen. No. Glenn Davis. No. Leon Poe. No, it might have been James Posey, but go ahead. Brian Scalabrini? No. Sam Cassell? No. P.J. Brown? No. Scott Pollard? No. Gabe Pruitt? No. It was James Posey. It was Posey. All right, so um, 
So uh, so he's like, you have to have somebody that is going to get in your star player's face and doesn't give a you-know-what about it, you know, an agitator. So he's like, all right, you know, uh, that, that makes a little bit of sense. So Doc's telling me the story about it. it's a practice, an early practice, right? And they're scrimmaging. And uh, it's, you know, one team against the other. And um, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a ball that goes out of bounds, and it's Paul Pierce. And Paul Pierce is the king of the Celtics. Remember, he was the guy that was always there for, for, for the Celtics, right? And uh, so he's the star of the team, the face of the team. Didn't matter that Garnett was there and Paul Allen was there. Or, excuse me, uh, uh, Ray Allen was there. He was the head of that snake. And so um, a ball goes off. It was clearly off of him, but he's pulling the star player. No, it's 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 off you to James Posey. No, it was off of you. Uh, I, I, what did I just say? It was off of you. And James Posey gets in Paul Pierce's face and just undresses him right there. And it's our ball. You go play some defense. And Doc Rivers is telling me, I'm watching this whole thing unfold going, yeah, we're going to be all right. That somebody like James Posey had the you-know-whats to say, I don't care who you are. I know this is your team, but I ain't playing that. So you have to have somebody that can bring the muscle, basically, from that perspective. And you, you have to have that. And a guy like uh, Haslam is is obviously that for, for the Miami Heat. Go ahead. Oh, no. Like James Posey, I respect him a lot. James. Also, had his best years, his best scoring careers over in Memphis. So. Yes. You know, just giving a little you know, shout-out to James Posey. Memphis, by, speaking of Doc Rivers— Today, I think it was, he came out and said that he put the Clippers on the map. He goes, they were nothing. They were laughing stock. And I remember they, they kind of were, but a little bit of revisit, revisit, revisionist history there. How dare he try to re-raise Vinny Del Negro? Well, and and he got and, and Vinny got them as far as he got them, as it turns out, because he had it was it wasn't him or Vinny. It was Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and all of those guys. So Doc. You didn't even get past the second round, and I was in Houston when you blew a lead, or in L.A. when you blew a lead and then lost in Houston. Coughed up a 3-1 lead against the Houston uh, Rockets. Could not believe it, but whatever. So, yeah, I don't think you put the Clippers on the uh, on the map. They were already there with uh, with uh, Lob City, which started under Vinny Del Negro. Got to stick up for the Italians. In the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought, I love Doc Rivers. Though. In the in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Thursday.